God's mercies have no limit, like some other false gods do that have limited atonement. They can only forgive up to a certain point. God's mercy has no boundaries, and that means no boundaries. <laughs> the Apostle Paul murdered people, including children, before he became a Christian. And God not only wiped his slate clean, but used him mightily to write two-thirds of the books of the New Testament. Good day to you, or evening, or whatever it is. This is Pastor Dan Boone from Church of Tomorrow, Oklahoma City, U.S. of A. And we're here today for Let's Talk About It Tomorrow. I thought this topic would be really interesting to a lot of people. So please leave your preconceived ideas on the table right now and give me an opportunity to share a few things with you in a few minutes if you would. And uh, you'll see where I'm coming from on this. But I'm serious when I say it. To hell with religion. Jesus Christ said in Matthew 23, 15, Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! He's talking to the religious leaders of the day. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and then you make that convert twice as much a child of hell as you are. You know, and something else that goes right along with this, uh, as you well know, if you've been paying any attention at all to things in our culture, words have a tendency to change their meaning over years. Although we've had a, a, a mad rush for that the last two years <laughs> to turn everything upside down. But that's always been what's going on. So back when our founding fathers were around, when they said, what religion are you or which religion are you? They were saying, are you a Methodist or are you a Reformed or are you a Baptist? Uh, they weren't saying, are you uh, a Jew, a Christian, Hindu or what, whatever. So I uh, just want to keep that in frame. But today we use the word religion basically to talk about organized religion. And the Bible says that true religion uh, ministering to orphans and widows. That's true religion. So even then, uh, when the King James was translated back uh, 500 years ago, that the word religion was something that they had to straighten out and get, get correct. So anyway, uh, what I am saying today is I don't favor in the least bit the mental, organized religion. It can call itself whatever it wants to call itself. If it calls itself a Muslim then or Islam, then that's fine for them, but it's not for me because that's religion. It talks about works. If it's a Jehovah's Witness, people there, just like the Muslims, have good meanings. Not doubting that a bit. Good intentions. But let's get straight on that. It's a doctrine of works. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I can't do that. I can't. That's the way the old covenant was with the Jewish people. It was a doctrine of works, and they couldn't do it. God used that to show us that if we rely on what we can do, we can never attain the open door to heaven. That's the reason that Jesus came 
to set us free, and He did so by paying the penalty that we could never pay. It's called the penalty of sin. He died so that we can live. What are you doing with Jesus today? Are you dying to yourself and self-righteousness and trying to be a good person? Or are you trying to rely on God and His love and His care and His mercy for you to say, hey, I got this covered for you. You just confess my son Jesus. You can come right on in. So that's the bottom line on it. I gave away all the things getting around the bush just to get right to that point because that is the truth. Hinduism, I'm sorry, may be well-meaning. It's a works of religion. Confucianism, I'm sorry, may be well-meaning. So it's a, uh, a religion of works. By faith, it's a religion of works. All of these different things uh, are works of religion. What I must do, what I can't do, how I must get to heaven, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Now, Scientology, you know, I don't care what you put up against true Christianity, and that includes what people call a lot of Christianity, a lot of Christian things. Uh, the the uh, church for several hundred years, the Catholic Church was the church, and they had some issues, and they fell away from it, and they got into a doctrine of works. So if you're a Catholic, but at the same time, if you're a Baptist, Methodist, Church of Christ, anything else, anything non-denominational, whatever you may call yourself, an atheist, agnostic, if you believe in heaven and an afterlife, or if you believe in hell and an afterlife, or if you believe like I do in both of them for an afterlife, then you know you don't get there through how good you are and what you've done and how much money you've given or how many people you've talked to or how many naked babies you've clothed or how many starving children you've fed. Those are all good things. And if God puts that on your heart to do it, you ought to do it. But the fact of it is it ought to go, go out of a heart of loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself, not out of trying to impress God or just to, I want to feel good about myself. So when I give a kid a dollar, well, that makes me feel good. Well, if that's your reason for it, you have a, a zero reward in heaven for that. Self-righteousness may be the single most important thing that we need to get rid of in our lives. Self-righteousness says, I can do this, I can do that. Uh, the Bible says this, but I, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Well, it's not that you have a bad intention. Your intention may be fine. How many times have I said that? But good intentions don't pave the highway to heaven. <laughs> you know, to take the other quote that we've heard for so many years, the road to hell is paved, you know, paved with good intentions. That's what it's all about. God is not impressed with our good works. He's impressed with our heart towards Him and our love towards neighbors. Uh, let's carry a few things on from here. And I don't normally do a lot of uh, Bible reading on these podcasts like I do in church. I do a lot in church. But I'm doing this today just to help you along the path because I believe that there's basically two people today that can really use this particular message. One of those is pe people, the group of people that's not saved, don't know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, have not given up on themselves and asked Him to come in and to be the master of their life. The other one is the, what most of the churches are full with today, self-righteousness. That is our enemy.
John 6, 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Jesus saying he's the bread of life. If you want life, then you must eat of him. And that's a figurative thing to say. I, I, what do I do? I eat his word <laughs> in the Bible. That's figuratively again. But I, I absorb it into my system. I take it and I need it. And I need it every day. I don't need it just once a week or once a month or once a year. I want the word of God in me fresh every day. The example for that is the Old Testament when the Jewish people, the Israelites were all fleeing from Moses is they had manna fresh dropped out of heaven every day. A physical picture of a spiritual truth. Whoever comes to me, Jesus said, will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I have told you, you've seen me and you still do not believe. All whom the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me. Now that's important. Jesus is getting ready to release the will of the Father God in heaven. God is a triune being, Father, Son, and Spirit, all one with three different personalities. And He's saying, this is the will of Him who sent me, sent Jesus in the likeness of a person, flesh, who never stopped being God, but never did stop being after He became incarnated in flesh, never stopped being human. He's two in one within the Trinity that's three in one. I don't have time to get into all that right now, and it takes a little bit of meditating on it, but God is God. <laughs> he's not you and me. <laughs> in other words, He knows what He's doing, and He can get away with it. Verse 39, This is the will of Him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all of those He's given me. He's talking about people here, of course. But raise them up on the last day, the last day when Jesus comes back to gather the group of people that are buried or remain alive. It's called the second coming of Christ. And He will raise us bodily from the grave to reunite our body with our soul and spirit. Verse 40, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. Eternal life has no end. And I will raise them up on the last day. So he says it twice there in the same scriptural reference. He said that the Father wants everyone who will confess Jesus as Lord to be given the free gift of eternal life. And you say, well, yeah, but I've done all these things. But well, Jesus has done the thing that's bigger than what you ever messed up. His straightening up, praise God. His payment for sin. It's, it's, and God's mercies have no limit, like some other false gods do that have li limited atonement. They can only forgive up to a certain point. God's mercy has no boundaries, and that means no boundaries. <laughs> the Apostle Paul murdered people, including children, before he became a Christian. And God not only wiped the slate clean, but used him mightily to write two-thirds of the books of the New Testament. Psalms 33, 6. How do you get to know more about this, God? By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their story host by the breath of His mouth. 
That could be translated the spirit of His mouth. God's Word is breathed with God. Jesus is called the Word of God, both in uh, the first part of John and as well as the Revelation. Jesus is the Word of God made flesh, and He dwelt among us. This is so awesome that God breathed into His Word, so when we read His Word asking for the Holy Spirit to make it alive, then we can actually, uh, what do you want to say, inhale it? <laughs> uh, how about eat it, okay? Uh, that's the word that Jesus used. Don't want anybody to misunderstand me on the other part of it. Hebrews chapter 4 has a lot of things to say about the Word. I'll just give you a couple of verses here, maybe three or four. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering into His rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Talking about heaven here, and the, actually the rest of God before we go to heaven. Not the rest, meaning the, uh, the other portion of, meaning the rest, the peace of, the sleep of. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, talking about the Israelites. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith to those who heard it. The Israelites had a problem with the word of God. They were reading it mentally rather than read it as a living word, asking the Holy Spirit to make it alive. The Word of God, even the New Testament, says the same thing. It's God-breathed. The Word comes alive when we study it. When you become a Christian, and when you are filled with the Spirit of God, you will have the ability to read the Word of God by the help of the author. The author of the Word of God is the Holy Spirit. And He will show it to you. He will open it up. Jesus said, it's expedient for you that I leave because unless I leave, the Holy Spirit won't come. But when He comes, He'll show you all things to happen. He'll teach you all things. He'll give us everything that we need to have a complete life in Christ. Oh, that's the good news. I was a person of religion. 18 years, I sat in a church one day a week at least to hear a message that was orated by a man much more eloquent than what I am, speaking of God's Word. And it all went in one ear and, yep, came out the other, so to speak. I'm not sure it went very far in the ears. But it was my brain that was comprehending it. And a lot of it just didn't make sense to me. So I went out and did my thing in the world. And when I realized, you know, if there's a God, I need His help. I believe there is a God. I just didn't know how to approach Him. So I just asked Him to come be my Lord and Savior. And He did. And that was in 1983. And here I am today. And I'm going further, deeper, stronger, and better with Him than I've ever done it. That just adds to the the real taste of the life of God because it not only is great when you start, but it gets greater and greater and greater each and every day. The old hymn says, He walks with me and He talks with me. And I do remember that one from my old church. Uh, we don't use that one anymore in church, but we sure do uh, quote it sometimes. And then we'll go on real quickly here before I close. Let us therefore be diligently to enter into that rest. Be diligently 
uh, excuse me, be diligent to enter into that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. See, when we don't mix faith with God's Word, we're being disobedient. Okay? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For everyone that comes to Him must know that He is and that He rewards them diligently, those who seek Him. That's another uh, couple of verses there in Hebrews 1.6 uh, for reference. He says, The Word of God is living. It's powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God goes into my head, yes. But it also goes into my innermost being, where my spirit is. It goes into my uh, soul. Uh, it goes to my heart, the inner part of me. That's what I need. I need that Word of God living with me each and every day so that I may have a change of my heart because my thinking is starting to change. And I'm getting beliefs beyond my own ability because the Holy Spirit is sharing those with me. There is no creature hidden from His sight, it says, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him who, who we must give account. God loves you. He cares for you. He wants you to join His family. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And this prayer is not just a, a little confession. This prayer is joining in with Jesus for the covenant established with God. It's all about changing worldviews, changing families, changing the things in our lives that are important according to the Creator rather than the false God who tried to take over. His name is Satan the devil. Would you like to twitch kingdoms with me? Would you join our family, the kingdom of God, the one that I'm in and the Church of Tomorrow people are in? We'd love to have you come visit us and whether you end up in our church or somewhere else, we want to help you along the road to get started anyway. If you believe in your heart that God raised from the dead and confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, that means boss, then you shall be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Would you pray with me right now? And if you need to reestablish your relationship with Jesus because you've been away from Him, hey, let's do that too. Pray with me. Say this, Dear God in heaven, I am sorry for my sins. I've done things my way. I have been self-righteous. I no longer want to sit in the throne of my heart. I want you, Jesus, to be the throne in my heart. I want you to take over from the center of my being by your Spirit. <laughs> I want you to show me how I walk this Christian walk. And I know that walk is not by my fleshly nature. That walk will be by faith in you and by your Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So right now, I believe that you, Father, raised Jesus from the dead. I believe you're my Lord, Jesus. I make you that Lord of my life, the boss. Come into my life. Make me whole. Lead me. Guide me. Teach me. 
correct me and improve your thoughts about me and my behavior, not just who I am. In other words, God, I need your help. And I say this in the name of Jesus. And I say in accordance to your word, I'm a new creation. I'm a new person. I'm a brand new man or a brand new woman. In Jesus' name, thank you for your free gift of eternal life. Amen. And amen to you. Give us a little bit of uh, information about you in the... the uh, comment section or write us an email call us our phone number's there uh, let us know uh, that you made Jesus the boss of your life today or let us know that you've come back to him and most of all come see us uh, we'll help you get started in your new walk and we will help you find a, a church if you're not close to us or don't for one, some reason or another would rather have something else that's fine uh, if you're away from us uh, write us anyway. We'll be glad to send you a little book to help you out, okay? Until next time, this is Dan Boone saying, come see us at Church of Tomorrow, and next week we will, let's talk about it tomorrow. Love ya, bye-bye. <laughs>